I hope that you're not afraid. Am I still making some weird noises? Get, okay, we got some guys working on it. We'll let them work on it, and I'll just preach. How about that? So, my dad has been pastoring for well over 30 years. Um, maybe, I don't know how long, maybe even getting closer to 40 years. And you know, growing up as one of his sons, you know, being the son of a pastor, I have heard him refer to the people of the church or church people as sheep or the flock. You know, I've heard him make reference like that in talking or speaking to me or maybe speaking to my mom. You'll hear him use those type of terms, sheep, flock, lambs, stuff like that. And as a matter of fact, that terminology actually comes from the Bible. Actually, the Bible calls us that. Um, the Bible actually refers to us church folks as a, a flock or lambs or sheep. It's actually used many times throughout the Bible. Um, just very quickly in the epistle of 1 Peter, 1 Peter admonishes the reader to feed the flock of God. Okay, In the Gospel of John, towards the very end of it, Jesus tells Peter to feed my sheep. He says it many times, feed my lambs. These things come from the Bible, many other places that is found. We are also called the sheep of His pasture. And when I say some of these things, some of these things should be familiar from Scripture. You should be familiar with them. We are referred to as these things. So over the years, I have heard Pastor Joe use some of that terminology. Sheep and, and the flock and, and stuff like that. And you know, I never disagreed with it. You know, just growing up in his house, I just never put much thought towards it all. I didn't really think much about it. You know, I, I didn't put much thought into the fact that we are the flock or that, that we are sheep. And that Jesus, the Bible says, is the good shepherd. You know, I just, I didn't have a, a pastoral perspective. Never really thought much about us being the sheep or, or church folks being a flock. You know, I've heard him say that. Yeah, okay, Dad, yeah, I, I hear you. Well, when I first started into the ministry, he would come and say things to me. Uh, you can't do that. You'll scare the flock off. Uh, I, I wouldn't suggest this. You'll, you'll scare the sheep. Well, fast forward to today, and I've been following in my dad's footsteps for a few years now, and now I can clearly understand why he uses words like the flock or sheep, lambs. I can understand why the Bible uses those terms as well. Now I understand why the Bible says that that's what we are. I understand why Jesus calls himself the good shepherd. I understand why we are called a flock. Listen, we're called a flock. We're called a we are called sheep because we're constantly scattering. Constantly scattering. We're called a flock because there's constantly someone going astray. Someone is peeling off from the rest of us, going this way, going that way. I can clearly understand it now. I get it now, Pastor Joe. I understand why you would say, sheep won't like this. Sheep won't respond very well to that. I get it now. Now I can see. Now I have a little bit more of that perspective. I understand why the Bible calls us a flock. Because if you, now as soon as you turn around, there goes somebody. No, no sooner as you take your eyes off, then you look back, somebody else is gone. It is amazing. You look away for one minute, and then you look back, and you're like, where in the world's that family been? What happened to them? 
I, I was just the greatest preacher in the world a couple weeks ago. Now I'm a, I'm a complete scumbag. How did, what in the world happened? Where's so-and-so? They were doing so good. They, they were doing so good. I could see fruit growing in their life. They were awesome. Where in the world are they now? Bam, just like that. Someone took off. What happened? So quickly, we peel off from the rest of the flock. Here one day and gone the next. From a pastor's perspective, it's so clear to me I can look at our little church here, New Hope, and can see people constantly, it's constant, peeling off. There goes this one, gone. And we, we got to say, hey, come, come back to the fold. Come back to the flock. It's constant, almost always, almost always, brothers and sisters. No, we aren't even that huge of a church. We're actually considered a small church in light of things. But it's constant. Even in a small church, there is no time we can sit back and say, everything's perfect. All's going good. No one has any issues. Everybody's happy. Everyone's serving the Lord. It is never like that. Never, ever, ever. There's always someone peeling off from the flock to go their own way. You, you can see people breaking off from the safety of the good shepherd. We're the sheep of his pasture. The good shepherd tends the sheep, tends the flock, keeps them, protects them. And as a pastor, I can see a sheep saying, nah, I'm going to go this way. And the good shepherd saying, there are wolves right over there. You, you can see people so clearly with your spiritual eye, a sheep peels off from the flock and they're headed directly towards the edge of a cliff. They're headed directly into a trap or, or whatever it may be. And, and, and you're like, no, no, don't go that way. Stay here. You can see it so clearly and it happens all the time. So today... I can say with all authority, I understand, Pastor Joe. I get it now. I get exactly what you're saying. All those times you use those terms, all those times he said the flock, and you've you got to watch over the sheep. I get it now, Pastor Joe. I get it. There's no sooner as I can turn around, you can see someone take off, and they're gone. You know, if you have... A trustworthy pastor. A trustworthy pastor. You have to have someone you can trust. If there's no trust with your pastor, you're not going to last long. It's not going to last long. If you have a trustworthy pastor who preaches the word of God, and a sheep breaks off from that, in my experience, I haven't been doing it as long as Pastor Joe, but in my experience, it is never Never so that that sheep can get closer to God. Never. You, you stop Pastor Joe after the service and you ask him, Pastor Joe, has anyone ever come to you and say, um, I'm going to leave church so that I can draw closer to God? It, it do, that is not what happens. That is not what happens. When, when people leave and they get offended and they're like, nope, I'm done with this. Snap, I've had enough. And they leave. It's never to get closer to God. It's never to pursue holiness. It's always to their own peril. It's always because they're running, chasing after something they're not supposed to be chasing after. 
It, it, it does amaze me. The Bible can say, when you get to this intersection, turn right. We get there, we turn left. It's, it's amazing to me. You know, I, I ran into a few buddies I hadn't seen in years the other day. And they weren't, they're not Christian fellows, but I, I love them very much. Spent a lot of time with these guys working back in the day. Are you still, are you still speaking, they said. I said, yeah. I said, I, yeah, I love it. I said, but I don't know if anybody listens to me. But, but that's okay, because I love to do it anyway. You, we, we scatter for a myriad of reasons. For, for so many goofy little reasons, we scatter. We leave, we take off. And this morning, I wouldn't mind examining just a few of those reasons that we scatter, that we leave. You know, everything that I've said thus far, the Lord Jesus explains, explains very clearly in a parable called the parable of the sower. Now, I hope you love your word, and I hope that you're not afraid to closely look into the word of God, to closely examine it, to take a parable and, and ask yourself, what is he trying to tell me? What is he trying to say to me in this parable? And I love to look at this and try to take things from it. These, these parables, the words of Jesus they are to instruct us, to build us up, to keep us from peeling off and running towards the edge of a cliff or running into a pack of wolves. That's why he gives us these parables. Now this, this parable of the sower is found in what's called the synoptic gospels. Now that's just a fancy word for saying similar. Okay, It's found in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. If you know your gospels at all you, and you've read through them many a times, you'll see that those first three gospels are very similar in the way that they're written. They share a lot of the same stories, a lot of the similar chronology. If you get to the Gospel of John, it's a little more of a personal account and even has some stories that aren't in the other ones. So this morning, when we look at the parable of the sowers, it's found in all three of the synoptic Gospels, but we'll look at it mainly in the, in the book of Matthew in chapter 13. We'll start reading in verse 3. Now remember this morning, as we go through this, remember we started out talking this morning by people leaving, taking off, peeling off from the flock. We'll begin reading in verse 3 of Matthew chapter 13. Matthew's gospel says this, And he spoke many things unto them in parables, saying, this is Jesus now, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. And when he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. Some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprung up because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, <clears throat> and the thorns sprung up and choked them. But others fell unto good ground and brought forth fruit. Some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, and some thirtyfold. Then Jesus concludes by saying, Who hath ears to ear, hear, let him hear. What, what Jesus is saying here, brothers and sisters, he's saying there's four general responses to the gospel message. When this good seed is broadcast out onto humanity, Jesus is saying there's, there's kind of four general categories of response that humans fall into. Of the way we react to this good seed. 
that is broadcast all around. The, the sower sows the good seed of the gospel. That is biblical stuff, biblical things, good things, godliness. That is the good seed, things from the Bible, his commands, his precepts, his statutes. All that is the good seed, stuff that edifies, that is good for us, that keeps us on the straight and narrow. That is the good seed. The gospel is the good seed. The good news of Jesus, that's the good seed. And Jesus is saying, the sower goes forth to sow. Uh, Right now... In a way, I'm trying to sow good seed right now. Maybe this afternoon, maybe tomorrow, you may be the sower. You come across someone you haven't seen in a while, or maybe you're at a grocery store, or maybe you're talking to your neighbor, or maybe you call up a family member and you try to sow some seed. You will be the sower at that point. But we all know that a seed is supposed to germinate and produce something. It is supposed to sprout it's kind of mysterious if you've ever watched like a, you ever seen those super high speed videos? You've seen a seed and how it germinates and these roots just somehow miraculously go down into the earth and then a stalk comes up and then it starts to bloom. It's actually a pretty neat process. But the seed, the good seed of the Bible is supposed to do the same thing. It's supposed to germinate and grow and produce something. That is the intent of the gospel, of the Bible message. It is to germinate, to take root into your heart, take root into your life, and to grow and to produce something, some sort of fruit. Fruit of righteousness, fruit that glorifies God, fruit that brings glory to Him. That's that's the whole intent, that's the purpose. Us, especially being Americans, we have all had the good seed sown into our lives. At some point or other, we've had good seeds sown. Hopefully, I can sow good seeds this morning. But Jesus says there are generally four different types of reactions when the good seed is broadcast. The first one is the seed that falls by the wayside. And it says the fowls of the air come and devour it up. So this sower throws this seeds out and it falls on the wayside. The wayside is almost like the path or the road. You know, it, it's uncultivated ground. It's rock hard. There, there, it, it, it is not prepared to receive any type of seed. If we skip over in Matthew 13, if we skip over to verse 18, Jesus explains exactly what he means when he says it falls by the wayside. Verse 18 says, Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. 19 says, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and understands it not, then comes the wicked one and catches away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which receives seed by the wayside. This good seed is broadcast out, he is saying. It falls onto this uncultivated, rock-hard ground. And this person doesn't even understand it, doesn't perceive it, doesn't consider it, doesn't take it into their life. It's just, I don't care, I'm indifferent to it, I don't get it, whatever, do your thing, just leave me out of it. That is how this person's heart is. In, in the Gospel of Mark, this remember I said this parable is in other Gospels, in Mark it says that Satan comes immediately and takes away that word that was sown in their heart. Satan sees it immediately, he sees that seed laying right there, and immediately he descends and goes and plucks it right out of your life. And these people, you know, make no never mind to them. Eh, eh, whatever. 
God will put me in heaven or hell wherever I belong. I don't care wherever I go. Even if he's real or not, I don't know. Luke, in the Gospel of Luke, Luke says, Those by the wayside are they that hear, then comes the devil and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. The, the good seed is sown. And you, you better not deceive yourself to think that the devil's not watching. That he's not watching you this morning. That he'll not watch you the rest of the week. That he'll not watch your family. That he won't watch your children. He is watching. And if he sees that good seed land on your heart, immediately he'll descend and try to pluck that seed right out of there if it doesn't fall in its proper place. If your heart is not prepared, if your heart is hard, Amen. he will come and take that seed. Brothers and sisters, these are the people that just don't care about the Word of God. Either they just don't believe it, they just don't care to believe it, they're indifferent to it, eh, makes no never mind to them, no big deal to me. They're content to live their lives apart from any godliness at all. How many of you know someone like that? I have come across so many people that you speak the things of God into, you might as well be talking sports with them. It's just like their, their heart is not, not ready, not prepared. It's, it's just an enemy comes and takes that seed, snatches it away, lest they should repent and be saved. It's sad, isn't it? For whatever reason, their heart is not open. Their heart's not open. You know, my boys, we have a, a four-wheeler at home and you know they ride a four-wheeler all around and I constantly yell at them because for some reason or other they pick this one particular part of my lawn to ride through the, the same spot no deviation left or right the same spot and what happens is it makes a four-wheeler trail in my lawn and I say boys don't go through this spot don't go through it And you know what I did was I took some grass seed this spring Sprinkled it all around. It is so hard packed now, nothing grew. Not a single blade of grass grew. I have a four-wheeler highway going through the side of my lawn now. That's funny, but the success of the seed depends on the condition of the soil. The, the, the wayside is the road. It's the path. If you're sprinkling seeds and some of it falls on your sidewalk and you're trying to grow grass in your lawn, the stuff on the sidewalk is not going to grow. It is uncultivated soil. It's the road. Even if something tries to grow, it's going to be trampled anyway because it's the road. It's the path. It's just so hard the devil comes and snatches it away. The, the ground that this seed falls on, it's hard. And the seed, in this case... Doesn't even germinate. Doesn't, doesn't even germinate. Has no real time to do anything. Nothing. Nothing happens from this seed. It's snatched right away. The enemy sees it and reacts immediately. He descends down, takes that seed, and he's gone. He comes and takes it away, lest they should believe and be saved, Luke says. Satan springs into action before that seed has time to do anything. Listen to this. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1 says... Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. 
Brothers and sisters, better pay attention to the good seed this morning, what grounds it fallen on this morning, lest at any time we should let it slip away. Better take earnest heed to those things. The writer of Hebrews is saying, you better pay attention to the good seed that is sown in your heart, lest it be snatched away. I wonder, I hope not, but I wonder if we have any in here this morning. Any people in here this morning that the seed falls on ground that is so hard that the seed doesn't even germinate. No root, no root system, no stalk, no fruit, nothing, no leaves whose heart is not ready to receive it. Indifferent to the word, hurry up, pastor. Get through your thing, hurry up, sing the songs, let me go about my business and stop bothering me. Well, I hope we don't have any people like that in here this morning. The second reaction to the gospel seed is that which falls upon the stony places, the parable tells us. There's no earth, there's no dirt, there's no soil for it to grow right. It falls on stony places. If there is any soil at all, there's so much rock in it, so much shale in it. Rod and I planted some trees just a week or two ago. We planted 14 trees out back trying to make our property look nice. And we had to abandon several of the holes that we had because the ground was so hard. One time it seemed like we were chipping up pure rock. And we got down a few inches. We both looked at each other and said, Forget it. Let's move on to another hole. I got blisters to prove it if you don't believe me. But we did get them all planted. Thank the Lord. But this is the second reaction to the good seed that is sown. That ground is so hard. I had a, I don't know how much a spud bar weighs. Most of you have seen a spud bar in your life. They, they're kind of heavy, manly instruments. We were clubbing that thing as hard as we could, just chipping little chunks of rock out of there. Even with a spud bar. Couldn't get the hole dug, and we abandoned those holes. There's no earth, no, no dirt for it to grow right, no soil, no fertilization, nothing. But this seed, brothers, is, is different than the first one. Remember, the first one did nothing at all. The, the fowls of the air came and snatched it. Satan snatched it right up. But this seed actually begins to germinate at least. So it's different from the first one because it begins to germinate. Something starts to grow. Something starts to sprout. Something starts to develop in this individual's life. You can see something happen. But right when it starts to grow, the sun comes up and scorches the young plant. It withers away and dies. How many times have we seen this happen? Sadly, how many times have we seen it happen over the years? feels like I've seen hundreds of people that same exact thing happened to them. You, you see someone, and, and they, they take the word, it, it, it comes into their heart. That's that good seed that we're talking about, the gospel message comes into their life, and you see a response to it. Maybe they come to the altar. Maybe they come down and say, you're right, Pastor. Pastor, it was a good sermon. I felt like you were preaching just to me. I've had people say that to me that I never have seen again. I had an individual come and say, did you like research my life or something like that? Did you like ask my friends about me? Because everything you said, it seemed like you were, no one else was in the room. I never saw that person again. It's because the seed fell on the stony places. 
And right when it started to grow, the sun come up, scorched that young plant. You know, if you skip over, remember we're in Matthew 13. If you skip over to verse 20, Jesus explains exactly what he means. Lest you be confused, he says this. But he that receives the seed into stony places, the same as he that hears the word, listen, and anon with joy receives it. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arise because of the word, by and by, he is offended. Is not this a society and a culture in a nation where everyone and their brother is offended by everything? <laughs> I probably said 200 offensive things already this morning. Mark, in the Gospel of Mark says, they immediately receive it with gladness and endure for a little while, but because of the lack of a root system, when affliction or persecution comes, it says they are immediately offended. How many times have we seen people like this peel off from the flock? They were here. I mean, you came to the altar. You, you prayed some sort of prayer. You said you believe in Jesus. And, and we, we saw things starting to happen in your life. I saw roots starting to grow. I saw a stalk starting to come up. I saw leaves starting to sprout. I saw it. But, but the soil wasn't right. It was stony ground. And, and something happens. And they're offended. And they're gone. The Gospel of Luke says, In time of temptation... They fall away, meaning as long as everything's perfect, they'll keep coming. As long as God does everything that person tells them to do, it's good. We got a deal, God. We got a deal. But as soon as something happens, no, thank you. I'm out of here. Forget it. Done. Count me out. Church, I feel like I've seen this a hundred times, maybe a thousand times. You see someone, they seem to find some form of salvation. I like to believe it's a true salvation. They're, they're joyful. This actually says these people with the heart of stony ground receive it. They hear it and they receive it with joy. These are good things. They come to hear the word and they receive it with joy and immediately a sprout begins to grow. Pastor, that was such a good sermon. Oh, I thought you were, it was like you were talking to me. Oh, man, how did, it must have been the Spirit of God speaking through you. I felt conviction or whatever it was. You can see the seed germinate and begin to grow. Godliness starts to come out of that person. You, you see them even starting to come out of the world, leaving the worldliness behind them. But a month, a few months, a year, a number of years, trials and afflictions come, and they quit. They're gone. They chuck it. You know, these people, to me, a lot of them, maybe most of them even, I've seen this so many times, all they really want is a quick fix from God. A quick fix. Years ago, I worked with this one individual, and he used to tease me, and he would call me Messiah. You know, just, yeah, they would kind of poke fun at me a little bit. I didn't care. I didn't want what they had. I'll, I'll stick with Jesus, thank you. He would call me Messiah, you know, didn't care at all about the things of God at all. Completely, complete heathen to all the things of the Word of God. 
He used to call me Messiah. Sometimes he would call me prophet. Oh, here comes prophet. I didn't care. Well, one day, this individual's entire world came apart all in one fell swoop, and he was left with nothing, nothing. You ever seen someone go through that? that I, I actually see them. They visibly get skinnier. They lose all kinds of weight, and it ain't because of a good diet plan. It's because of the stress and the things they're going through. You can see the bags under their eyes. You can see the burden on their back, and I saw it in this individual. And this individual who used to call me Messiah and prophet and think this stuff was stupid, he came to me when we were alone one day. And he started asking me some questions. And I tried to sow good seed into this individual. But all this individual really wanted was a quick fix. Just, Lord, give me everything back that I had. M make everything like the way it was. Just, just give me that stuff. And then, God, you go over there and you do your thing. And I'll go over here and do my thing. I have seen this hundreds of times. Matter of fact, hopefully you don't think ill of me. But it, it's made me cynical in a sense when, when someone gets saved. Sometimes when someone gets saved here at New Hope, I'm like, yeah, we'll see, we'll see. We'll see if it's really true or not. Time will tell. Time will tell if you just wanted a band-aid, if you just wanted God to make everything good, make it all better, Lord, please give me what I want. Never cared a hoot about God, but now that trouble arises, Lord, help me out, help me out. And God helps out. Then, okay, see you later, God. Thank you. Transaction is done. Brothers and sisters, that's not biblical Christianity. That is not biblical Christianity. These people just want a quick fix. And that, that's not Christianity. God put a band-aid on it and make my problems go away. That's not Christianity. Those people, they don't really want God. They don't. They might think they do. And when we look at them, it, it may appear that they want God. I have been deceived many a times by people, oh, how godly they seem, and this is awesome, it's wonderful, and we see a change in them. But the seed didn't fall on good ground, and it can only last. If it doesn't fall on good ground, it can't last that long. A number of weeks, a number of months, even a number of years, and the root system isn't right. Temptation comes. Trials come, tribulate, the going gets hard, not everything is perfect, and they get scorched. I'm offended, I'm out of here, see you later, I tried that Christianity stuff, no thank you. Seen it so many times. So many people only want God to improve their circumstances and nothing else. Do you know how many giant ministries preach that message? Come to God, He'll make everything better. Come to God, He'll make you handsome, He'll make you beautiful. He'll make you rich. He'll take away all sicknesses. You'll never have any. Do you know how many giant ministries propagate that? And do you know why there's so many people that flock to those ministries? It's because all of that stuff appeals to the flesh. Brothers and sisters, if New Hope Church ever gets to a place where everything we preach appeals to your flesh only, you need to take off and find yourself another church. Or you need to come and confront who's ever preaching those kind of messages. Because this book is not intended to appeal to the flesh. It deals with spiritual things. It deals with decrease the flesh. Read Romans 6 and let me tell you how you feel about the flesh after that. You're supposed to be crucified with Christ. 
as he was slain on the cross and buried, you're supposed to be right there beside him, slain and buried. That as he was resurrected, you are to be resurrected. All things have become new. Your flesh is supposed to be long gone. It amazes me to see those giant ministries, 10,000, 20,000 strong. It's because not a one of them reads the word of God. That's how they're deceived. So many people wanting a quick fix from God. You'll see that happen many times here at New Hope. You'll see people come. But I'd like to think that New Hope sticks to the word of God. We talk about sin in this church. We talk about heaven to gain and hell to shun. And people with a stony heart who haven't broken that ground up, they ain't going to last long here. They don't last long. They don't want, they, these people, they don't want God. They don't want communion with God. They don't want any closeness with God. They don't want, they don't ask God what he wants from them. Ne- never, never, none of that stuff. They don't ask what's his inst- in his instruction manual, none of that. Brothers and sisters, there are so many people walking around in this world. There are so many people in churches all over this world, all over this nation, with hearts that are stony, that's all stony ground. Millions of us walking around that have hardened hearts. It, it may seem like they, it might even seem like they raise their hands when worship comes on, but the heart's not right. It only is going to last for a little while. God, do exactly what I say, and if you don't, I'm gone. To these people, God's nothing more than a divine Santa Claus in the sky. That's all he is, a genie in a bottle. You rub this Bible, give me my wishes. Once the wishes are over, see you later. Listen to what Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 tells us what real Christianity is. It says, as ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Colossians is telling us to be rooted, have a root system into the Word of God. A deep tap root so that when a storm comes, you're not blown away. Or when the sun comes up, you can draw on those roots and you won't be scorched. You're supposed to be established in the faith of Jesus Christ. The third way that people respond to sowing the good seed. As that seed of the gospel is broadcast Jesus tells us there's four ways. We went through the first and the second, the wayside, the stony heart. Now the third way that people react to the good seed is seed that falls among the thorns. These people also experience growth. They experience growth. That seed germinates. It starts to get some roots. A stalk starts reaching up towards heaven. Leaves start to sprout out. Maybe even sometime in these people's life, a blossom starts. Maybe even a little bit of a piece of fruit starts to grow. Fruit that glorifies God. You, you see these things happen in these people's lives. It begins to produce something. The gospel begins to sprout, begins to blossom. These people start to experience some type of godly growth. We've seen this many a times. The good seed starts to grow. But right beside them, those thorns is growing up right with them. Now, maybe the two just grow in tandem for a while. But at some point, them thorns is going to grow over. They're going to cross paths 
with whatever that is growing that's godly in your life. They cross paths. Matthew 13, 22, Jesus explains it clearly. He says, He also that receives seed among the thorns is he that hears the word in the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. This person hears the word, receives the word, begins to grow. There's some type of plant that's growing. They're doing good. That They might be right beside us growing in God. Hey, brother, man, did you read Matthew chapter 2 this week? Yeah, man, it was great. Yeah, oh, man. Hey, why don't you read the book of Romans? It's good. Okay, man, I'll get to that this week. There's some sort of godliness in this person's life. Something is growing in this person's life. But those thorns are growing up right with that person. They hear it. They receive it. They begin to grow. But then the lust of stuff just ever so slowly creeps in. Those two, the the godliness and then the thorns cross paths and they start intertwining themselves. Luke, in the Gospel of Luke, in this parable, Luke even says that these people go forth. They hear the word and they go forth, the Bible says. Meaning they receive the good seed, they take it into their lives, take it into their hearts, It starts to grow, and they even proceed forward. They start to go. Maybe they start telling other people about it. They start coming to church every week. They start reading their Bibles. They receive it, and they go forth in the things of God. They learn more about Him. They start to lead a Christian lifestyle. You start to see them leaving the things of the world. A little bit of holiness starts to be exhibited in their lives. They read their Bibles, they come to church, they might even tell others about the goodness of God. Sometimes this happens and goes on for years and years, this can go on. How many of you have seen this? How many of you have seen victims of the thorns? We've all seen it happen. These people perceive it, they understand it. Unlike the the seed that fell on the wayside, these people perceive the things of God. They understand the things of God. But at some point, They take their eyes off of Christ and they start looking at all the stuff the world has to offer. Man, look at that. Don't that look fun? Don't that look good? And the the riches of the world creep in. There ain't a single one of us being Americans that can ignore the power of riches. Do you understand how plush of a lifestyle you live? Do you understand how rich you are? I am calling you rich this morning. You are rich. You are wealthy. You are. Not a one of us. Who in here is starving and getting ready to pass out because they ain't had any food? Nobody. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh... The lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but it is of the world. Brothers and sisters, how many people may we have in here this morning? How many people might be listening online this morning that that seed is growing and doing so good, but there's thorns right beside them growing up, and soon they're going to wrap their tendrils around them and choke the word right out of that person. Jesus tells the, the rich young ruler, That it's easy for 
a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. I don't know about you, but that actually makes me afraid. That makes me fearful. You know why? Because I'm rich. I'm rich. We are rich. Now, I don't have millions and billions of dollars. There are a lot of people that have a lot more stuff than me and a lot more money than me. But I am still rich. I know I am. Let's be honest with ourselves. We're rich people. We are rich. Most of us have multiple vehicles. We got three vehicles at my house. We got all kinds of stuff. All kinds of stuff. We are rich. Brothers and sisters, I can tell you to the God's honest truth. Many a times, and I suggest the same for you, many a times I have been on my face before God Telling him, Lord, I know I'm rich. I know I'm rich. Humble my heart, God. Don't let my heart be taken by the deceitfulness of riches. Don't let it be taken. I I have confessed it to God that I know I live a prosperous lifestyle. I know I have a plush lifestyle, God. God, have, have, have mercy on a sinner like me. Don't let my heart be taken with all these things and stuff. It's so easy. So easy. To have all the the big bank accounts, the big IRAs, the investments, the cars, the nice homes, the savings account, the checking account, multiple accounts. Most, Most homes now have multiple accounts with money in them. He has he has blessed me and my family, and I am grateful for that, but I pay real close attention to the affections in my heart. I pay real close attention. Our affections have to be on heavenly things, not on earthly things. Because if your affections come off of Christ and they get onto those worldly things, on all the money, on all the stuff, and the power that comes, money does, in a sense, make this world go round, doesn't it? If you have lots of money, well, you can afford to have more free time, you can afford to travel, buy things. But the Bible says sooner or later those things will choke that good seed. They'll choke the plant and it will altogether become unfruitful. The materialistic things of this world are like a python to the things of God. You ever seen that python snake get an animal and it just squeezes the life right out of it? Dead. Materialism will squeeze the godliness right out of you. Materialism will squeeze you so much that you no longer produce any fruit for God. You know, listen now, you know what the Lord says about unfruitful trees? He says this real quick. He spake a par- also a parable. This is Jesus. He spake also this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came and sought fruit thereon and found none. And s- then said he unto the dresser of his vineyard, Behold, these three years I come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down while I cumber it the ground. Jesus is saying, eh, cut it down, plant a new one. Brothers and sisters, listen to me. Be careful about all the stuff that you own. Be careful about what the affections are inside of your heart. You know, you can actually be very poor and still love money. You can still love the things of the world and not have any of them. Be very, very careful, especially us Americans, the affections in your heart. Now, there's the fourth way. Those are the first three. The fourth way that people react to the gospel seed is the seed that falls on the good ground, the good soil. That's what I hope we have in here this morning. 
good ground that's been broken up. That when you jam the spud bar down in there and you hit a rock, you reach down there and get the rock out of there. Bust that ground up. These are the people that have a heart that readily receives the good seed. That when it's sown and broadcast, and if your pastor who is faithful to the Word of God and is a trustworthy person, when he sows that, you receive it in and you say, yes, you're right. That came from the Word of God. It is right. These are the people that have spent time wondering where their soul came from and where they're going to spend eternity. These people have asked themselves the deep philosophical questions of life. Where am I going to go? Where did I come from? Who is this God? Who is this Jesus? What does He want from me? These people have asked those questions. Matthew chapter 13, verse 23, Jesus says, He explains it. He says, But he that receives seeds into the good ground is he that hears the word, just like some of the others, and understands it, which also bears fruit and brings forth some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. These people hear it, they receive it, it takes root and begins to grow, and then it begins to produce fruit. What kind of fruit? Stuff that glorifies your Father in heaven. These are the people that have come to the realization that they are sinners in need of a Savior. These people have realized They've, they've looked internally inside them and said, there's something wrong with me. I keep doing bad things. I want to do good things, but I keep doing bad things. These people have looked inside of them. They've broken up that hardness that's inside there. They've got rid of the rocks, and that seed falls on good ground, and then they realize, wait a minute, I need a sinner. There's a problem in my life, and it's called sin. People have come to an understanding. These people have come to an understanding that they need deliverance from sin. They've come to an understanding that other people also need deliverance from sin. This is the good ground, the good heart. People whose heart is on good ground have realized that sin is offensive to God and that that sin in their lives needs dealt with. This is the good ground. These people are penitent. These people are humble. These people are repentant. These are qualities of good ground, of a good heart. They're humble before God. Whether they've been saved two months or 20 years, they're still humble before God. They still realize they need Christ on a daily basis. They still realize their flesh is no good. They have a good heart inside of them. In the Gospel of Luke, it says that in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, they keep it, which means protect. They keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. When Luke says they keep it, that means protect it. They protect that seed. If any birds fly down, they swing at them. But when the enemy comes, you rebuke them in Jesus' name. Protect that plant. Remember the scripture in Colossians I read moments ago? It says to be established, rooted, and grounded in Christ Jesus. You protect the good seed. You protect it, let those roots grow deep so that when the sun comes or a storm comes, you won't be blown away or burned up. These people feel the same way God does about sinfulness, wickedness, and worldliness. Too many times we tell God to align Himself with the way that we feel. Rather, the Bible instructs that we Mankind, humanity, align ourselves 
with how he feels about things. If I can ask the band to make their way back. And as they do, I just wonder, do we have any of those kinds of people in here this morning? Do we have any people in here this morning that have spent time asking themselves, asking God, what is it you want from me? What is it you want from my life? God, on a, on a good lifespan, maybe I'll get 80 years, Lord. Maybe more, maybe less. But those years that I'm here, what do you want from me, God? What, what path or do you set before me? This is the, the good ground. That's breaking up the fallow ground. What do you want from me, God? Christ, what is it you require of me? What would you have me to do? Do we have any folks in here this morning that are broken over the division in our nation? Do we have any folks in here this morning that are hurting over the lost people in our nation? Well, you turn on the news for 30 seconds and all I see is a lost nation. You can't let your heart become hardened towards those people that are lost. Do you ache? Listen, do you ache over abortion and all the babies that we abort? Do you ache? Does that stuff bother you? It should. If you have a good heart, those things should bother you. Do you bind all the ungodliness that our nation exhibits in this day and age? Do you bind all that stuff in prayer? Is your heart fertile this morning? Let's stand. Listen.